Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 8 is entitled, Another Glory of the Moon. In the previous podcast, we talked about celestial bodies, as described by Paul in 1 Corinthians. In this podcast, we shall talk about terrestrial bodies. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. 1 Corinthians 15.40 Paul referred to the celestial kingdom as the third heaven. He refers to the second kingdom as the terrestrial kingdom. The celestial kingdom is compared to the brightness of the sun. The terrestrial kingdom is compared to the brightness of the moon which is less than the brightness of the sun, but greater than the brightness of the stars. That, of course, is no small thing. At night, the moon is the brightest object in the sky, and at its brightest is incredibly beautiful. But in the face of the sun, the light of the moon is absorbed, making the light of the moon of no consequence. Still, at its best, the moon is very bright and beautiful. But since it is reflected light, we can look at the moon with the naked eye. But we cannot or should not look straight into the sun with the naked eye for fear of damage in our eyes. Still, everyone admires the moon, which has inspired much poetry. I remember once in my youth, in the 50s, my brother and I chased the moon in a car. It suddenly appeared, and it was so bright and so big and so low in the sky that we didn't believe it was the moon. In our youthful imagination, we thought it was a UFO. Paul calls the second heaven the terrestrial kingdom. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. Comparing the celestial kingdom to the brightness of the sun and the terrestrial kingdom to the brightness of the moon is a figurative image, of course. But Paul tells us that those who inherit the terrestrial kingdom will have a glory that shines like the moon. Though the terrestrial kingdom is not as bright as the celestial kingdom, still it is a kingdom of glory, obviously of unimaginable splendor. It is also clear, however, that God and Christ have bodies celestial, and therefore live with those who are also resurrected with celestial bodies. They do not live with those who have bodies terrestrial. In the last podcast, we described the conditions necessary to live in the celestial kingdom. In this podcast, we describe the conditions necessary to live in the terrestrial kingdom, or to describe the bodies terrestrial. Though both are heavens of great degrees of glory, they are separated by five things, light, truth, law, glory, and power. Obviously, where God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ dwell, which is the celestial kingdom, there is greater light, greater truth, greater law, greater glory, and greater power. In Podcast 86, Season 2, The Sermon on the Mount, Part 1, we talk about the Beatitudes. The purpose of the Sermon on the Mount is to teach us how to become perfect even as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5.48 is the theme of the Sermon on the Mount. Let me also refer you to podcasts 6 and 7, season 3. What is your portion, parts 1 and 2? In other words, the Sermon on the Mount teaches us how to become like Christ and how to inherit the celestial kingdom. The only way we can become perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect is to live in the celestial kingdom with our Father in heaven. 
And of course, that is only possible through the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ. Only those who believe on his name, repent of their sins, keep his commandments, and endure to the end can inherit the celestial kingdom. On earth, repentance is an ongoing process. Perfection can only come after we are resurrected and live with God. Who then goes to the terrestrial kingdom? Actually, when the Bible speaks of heaven, by default, it is speaking of the celestial kingdom. The Bible is very clear about who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Does it say anything about who goes to the middle or terrestrial kingdom? Surprisingly, it says a great deal. To understand why there are different heavens, we must first understand the nature of law. In the Beatitudes, Christ defines the laws necessary to inherit the kingdom where God the Father dwells. Temporal laws so necessary to this earth cannot get us to heaven, but spiritual laws can. That is why we must have the atonement of Christ. Among those spiritual laws are humility, charity, meekness, righteousness, mercy, pure in heart, peacemakers, and perseverance. All Christians agree on one general principle, that we are saved by grace and not by works. To enter any kingdom of heaven, we must be saved by grace. That means that we must first be sanctified by Christ. One cannot inherit any kingdom of glory without first being sanctified. But we must also take into account that although we are saved by grace, we are judged by our works. Works reflect our obedience to law. Law and works are equivalent. Laws are the commandments of God. Works are measured by our obedience to those commandments. Each kingdom of glory is governed by a complete set of laws, and in order to enter that kingdom, we must obey the laws of that kingdom. If we do not live the full laws, we cannot inherit the celestial kingdom where God dwells. On the other hand, because of the grace of Christ, we will all be rewarded for the laws we do live. That is why there are so many kingdoms of glory. In fact, although Paul divides them into three kingdoms, he concludes by saying that there are as many kingdoms of glory as there are stars. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory so also is the resurrection of the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 40-42 The three kingdoms of glory match the laws that we live. Let me offer as my first example the parable of the ten virgins. There were five wise virgins and five foolish virgins. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps, and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, 
and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Matthew 25, 1-13 All ten virgins were Christians, for all ten virgins took their lamps, which were filled with oil, and went to meet the bridegroom. The only difference is that the five foolish virgins, thinking that Christ would come immediately, took no extra oil for their lamps. It turned out, however, that the bridegroom came at the very last hour. Only the five wise virgins were prepared, because, as Christ said, the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. In other words, they had an extra container of oil. All ten virgins were asleep when the bridegroom came, and the oil had all burned out of the lamps. The five wise virgins, with the extra oil, quickly refilled their lamps. The five foolish virgins, having no extra oil, were convicted for their own foolishness. The five wise virgins didn't share their oil for the simple reason that they may not have enough for themselves. They aren't going to foolishly throw away their chances of going to the marriage feast. Therefore, while the five foolish virgins were off trying to purchase more oil, the doors to the marriage feast were shut. In other words, the doors of the celestial kingdom were shut. They learned a harsh lesson too late. Watch, therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. If the doors of the celestial kingdom where God in Christ dwell are shut, where do the five foolish virgins go? To hell? What for? For being foolish? On the one hand, they could not be rewarded for a law they did not obey. However, on the other hand, they couldn't be punished for laws they hadn't broken either. They were saved by grace but they were rewarded only for their works. Their works were insufficient to earn them the highest reward, the celestial kingdom, but they were sufficient to earn them a lesser kingdom of glory or the terrestrial kingdom. The doors of the celestial kingdom were shut to them, but not the doors to the terrestrial kingdom. Their fault was that they were unprepared. However, they were not evil people. Their tragic flaw is that they did not live the laws of the celestial kingdom. They had to settle for a lesser kingdom of glory according to the laws they did live. Mercy cannot rob justice, but at the same time justice cannot cheat mercy. And mercy had claim on them, because they were good people. And the atonement rewards all people according to their works. John the Revelator explains this clearly in his letter to the Laodiceans. Let's go to Revelation 3. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Historians teach us that the Laodiceans had a sophisticated system of hot and cold running water. Therefore, the image of lukewarm water would have been very familiar. The phrase, spew thee out of my mouth, simply means to spit it out. It is in the mouth, not the stomach. We have probably all done that. We like hot drinks or cold drinks, but not lukewarm drinks. In other words, like the five foolish virgins, the Laodiceans had the door of the celestial kingdom shut in their faces. 
In the letter, John reveals why they did not inherit the celestial kingdom. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. However, in this case they are given the chance to repent. The Lord says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Notice the admonition. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Just like the five foolish virgins, they were not zealous. Synonyms for zealous are ardently active, fervent, burning, impassioned, glowing, enthusiastic, eager, passionate, devoted, fiery, keen, prompt, earnest, diligent, assiduous, sedulous, persistent, attentive, expeditious, industrious, devout, devoted, loving, affectionate, willing, and hearty. Zeal, for example, means ardor for a cause, eagerness, alacrity, enthusiastic, earnest, perseverance, and so on. The saints of Laodicea lacked ardor or passion or enthusiasm. Antonyms for zealous are apathetic, indifferent, lethargic, dispassionate, which also describes the five foolish virgins. Speaking to his disciples, Christ said, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded of you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Luke 17.10 It appears that what separates those who inherit the kingdom of God, or the celestial kingdom, are those who not only attend to their duty, but those who are also ardently active fervent, persistent, and hearty. In the Beatitudes, Christ describes it this way. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Those who inherit the terrestrial kingdom are those who only do the minimum. The five foolish virgins, for example, had only the oil in their lamps. They did not bring extra oil. They were apathetic and indifferent. In the letter to the Laodiceans, the Savior warned, Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Also, in the letter to the Laodiceans, we are told by Christ how to inherit the celestial kingdom. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him, and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Revelation three fourteen through 22 We must overcome the natural man. The natural man often takes the easiest way, doing the least things possible, like the five foolish virgins. We have free will, and we must exercise that free will in everything we do. The Savior said, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Matthew 5.41
That is where the phrase going the extra mile comes from. It is not enough just to do the minimum. The celestial kingdom is for those who overcome the natural man and go the extra mile. The Laodiceans were not guilty of great sins. They were lukewarm. They were simply not zealous. Therefore, unless they repented, they could not enter into the celestial kingdom. In other words, if they didn't have the extra oil in their lamps, or if they didn't go the extra mile, if they didn't overcome the natural man, where would they go? Hell would be harsh. They hadn't committed the sins of some of the other churches. Christ wants to reward us. Every Christian knows John 3.16 by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Christ wants to save us. He wants to save all of us. He came to save the world, not to condemn the world. Therefore, he would reward them for the laws they did live and the works they did do. Those who think that God wants to punish us do not know God. Why would he die for us if he liked to see us suffer? He suffered for us so that we will not have to if we will call upon him and keep his commandments. The purpose of his commandments is to deliver us from evil, not to deliver us into evil. However, the law of justice is exact. Just as justice cannot punish us for sins we have repented of, mercy cannot reward us for laws we did not keep, or at least diligently strive to keep. Christ said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also, and whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Christ is speaking of all those who are saved. All those who are saved will receive a mansion or kingdom of glory. However, Christ wants you to live with him. Therefore, he tells you how to do that. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, 1-6 Christ is fair. Christ wants to save everyone. He is our advocate with the Father. He died for our sins to keep us out of hell, not to send us to hell. He will do everything in his power to keep us from the law of justice. Therefore, of those Laodiceans who did not repent, though they couldn't live with Christ, they were still redeemed from their sins and were rewarded with the lesser kingdom. They were rewarded with the terrestrial kingdom. We can assume the same reward for the five foolish virgins. Doesn't that sound more like the Savior of the world? Isn't it logical that he who is a God of love will do everything in his power to save us? The terrestrial kingdom is a kingdom of glory, after all, a mansion compared to the light of the moon. It is my opinion that the Sermon on the Mount divides those who go to the celestial kingdom from those who go to the terrestrial kingdom, Christ said. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, 
Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. From the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew seven twenty-one through 23 In the Sermon on the Mount, for example, Christ severely condemns the hypocrite. Yet the hypocrites pray, fast, and preach. But Christ warns his true disciples, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.20 In other words, he is saying, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the celestial kingdom. Take note of the phrase, exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. We perhaps overlook the fact that there were many good scribes and Pharisees. Paul, before his conversion, was a Pharisee. Many lived the letter of the law as perfectly as they could, even with their hypocrisy. Christ is not condemning them to hell. He is barring them from the celestial kingdom. Their righteousness only qualifies them for the terrestrial kingdom. Like the five foolish virgins, they don't have enough oil in their lamps. That which they did for show was rewarded on earth through the empty praise of man. Christ said, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Matthew 6, 1-6 In 1 Corinthians 15, where the Apostle Paul teaches us about the celestial kingdom, he ends with the following admonition. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15.58 In John's seven letters, each letter contains the following two phrases. I know thy works, and to him that overcometh. Christ defines their works, and the blessings or penalty that follows but to each church, which is symbolic of all the true churches of Christ. For those who overcome, he promises entrance into the celestial kingdom, where they shall eat of the tree of life, not be hurt of the second death, eat of the hidden manna, give him the morning star, clothed in white raiment, make a pillar in the temple of my God, to sit with me in my throne. Because of the law of agency, Christ cannot override our free will. He will reward us for our works, but he will not reward us for our apathy. 
He died for our sins, but remember, he said in the Sermon on the Mount, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Matthew seven twenty one. Only through grace can we enter into any degree of heaven. Only through grace can we be sanctified. But God has placed conditions on each of his kingdoms of glory. As stated above from the Sermon on the Mount, the condition to enter into the celestial kingdom, or the kingdom where God dwells, is to do the will of my Father which is in heaven. In order to inherit the celestial kingdom, like the five wise virgins, we must have extra oil in our lamp. Otherwise, like the Laodiceans who were not zealous, or like the five foolish virgins who didn't have extra oil in their lamps, we will avoid hell, but we will be relegated to a lesser kingdom. Christ wants to save us all. That is why in his Father's house are many mansions. Christ cannot violate our agency, but he can reward us for our works. He will save us by his grace no matter what kingdom we inherit, whether it shines like the sun, the moon, or the stars. But he can only reward us for our works. To be saved is only because of his amazing grace, Paul said. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8-9 Only those who are saved will inherit any kingdom of heaven. It is by grace that we are saved, but it is by works that we are rewarded. It will not be an arbitrary decision. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon the rocks, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Matthew seven twenty four through 25 In Podcast 7, we discuss those who enter into the celestial kingdom, or the kingdom that shines like the sun. In Podcast 8, we discuss those who enter into the terrestrial kingdom, or the kingdom that shines like the moon. In our next podcast, we will discuss those who enter the lowest kingdom, or the kingdom compared by Paul with the stars. Please join us. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.